I feel like before every race, it's important to tell yourself that, you know, you chose you chose the pain that you're going to put yourself through and you have to accept it. And when the pain comes, you can't run away from it because you're the one that put yourself in that position. Hi, I'm Peter Boch. As a serial founder, I burned out while scaling my previous company to 10 million users. After selling the company, I took a year off and realized that doing nothing wouldn't help. Running is the only thing that's harder than running your own business, is what a friend told me at the time. So I looked into trail running and fell in love with the sport. Then I realized all the similarities between endurance sports and running your own business. And that's when I knew I had to do something more. That's how Trail and Scale was born. So welcome everybody to the Trail and Scale podcast, where we share conversations with some of the world's most interesting endurance athletes and founders. We'll talk about nutrition, goal setting, wellness, longevity, race planning, and so much more. This podcast is your aid station on your journey to success. For this episode, we interviewed Canadian ultra runner Marianne Hogan. She came here to Cape Town to run the 100 kilometer distance at UTCT. What we didn't realize while doing the interview was that she would end up coming second. She's a phenomenal runner and 2022 really put her on the map and you're about to find out why. We talked about her injuries, her comeback, her approach to coaching and her balance between a full-time job and being a professional trail runner for Team Salomon. Please enjoy. Welcome, Marianne Hogan, to the Trail and Scale podcast. Thanks for having me. What are your expectations for this race? I think uh, more than any other races in the past, I don't have any expectations. Um, it's been a pretty tough year for me, and I'm just out here to, to, for the opportunity and, and trying to give it my best shot, and we'll see what happens. Um, what happened this year? <laughs> Uh, so I had a pretty big, uh, 2022 season and, um, I, I got a f fair, I got a lot of uh, serious injuries. I tore my psoas, um, at the end of the season and, um, coming back to running was a very painful process. Um, and I jumped into it too quickly and I kind of stepped, I uh, jumped a couple recovery steps. And so I got re-injured at the beginning of 2023. Unfortunately, I got a stress fracture of my pubic bone. Um, so I have been very dormant for a lot of 2023. I was actually um, not doing anything at all up until July of this year. So it's a very different buildup than usual. And that's why I, I don't want to set too many expectations for this weekend. And um, the simple fact of showing up at the start line is, is a big, big victory for me. It's really interesting because you came out of 2022 basically with phenomenal results. Podium at uh, UTMB and Western States. Yeah. Um, so you basically put yourself on the map. You were a phenomenal runner, obviously, for a while. But 2022 was really a big year for you. Um, does this now mentally help to be back into this, let's see how this is going state? Is this actually, for now at least, a, a good thing? Can you take something positive out of that? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, I think the less pressure we put on ourselves, the better the, the outcome can be. Um, and that's really how I want to keep moving forward in the ultra running scene because I do it for fun. Um, and I think the results come from the fun that I have out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, 2022 definitely could have put more pressure on me. And maybe that's what made it so that I wanted to come back to the running world um, earlier than I should have. Um, but I think 
sometimes in life you got to learn lessons the the hard way and that's what happened for me this year and I'm okay with it um it, it was a shock uh when I got the stress fracture diagnostic but uh I took the time to kind of um acknowledge it understand what I did wrong and and I'm ready to move forward and 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 do things differently and what did you do wrong <laughs> I definitely uh, started off too quickly. I I set goals, you know, after 2022, I was so excited and I wanted to come back to UTMB and, and go back to Western States and uh, do even better than I did in 2022 because I think that there's a lot of things that I could have done better. Um, and I was just so excited about those two things that I didn't listen to the signs that my body was giving me. Um, and unfortunately, my body was not ready to to achieve those goals, and my head was just determined to, and I just kept moving forward, and um, eventually, uh, my body actually broke. Um, so uh, it was it was uh, too late. I, I I pushed too much, and and then I had to take uh, multiple steps back. You went from no coach for a very long time to now having one. What is the change in your approach, and uh, most importantly, how did you pick a coach? Did your, your feeling about the importance of numbers change? Did you run just how you, how you felt and, and based, based your training around that? Or um, were you basically your own coach planning a bit, a bit more? Um, just give us a bit of an idea of yeah, coaching versus no coaching, how everything is, is, yeah. is going for you now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so before having a coach, I was just focused on time on feet. Um, that's basically the only thing that I checked. Um, I actually was doing it the reverse way. Instead of creating a plan, I just made sure that at the end of the week, I wasn't going over a certain amount of kilometers. Um, and the interesting thing is before my two big races, I went over. And I think that that probably led to the injury that I've had in UTMB, um, going over that threshold. Um, I always tried to stick it to 100 mile weeks. Um, I think for me, 100 mile weeks are, were golden in the past, mm -hmm. um, but I, I've been over and ever since I started running again, I have not reached that 100 mile marker. So I really was only focused on time on feet, um, overall volume during the week, and I would plug it the way that I could and, and wanted to. And that was easy for me because I could just run all week and by Sunday, if I ran too much or too little, then I would adjust and, and, and you know, adjust accordingly. Um, but now I work with a coach uh, and the coaching decision for me was very simple um, in the sense of I wanted to make sure that I found someone or I was working with someone who knew me already and knew my strengths and my weaknesses um, because I think that coaching is way more about the relationship that you'll build with your coach as opposed to just having a training plan and following it. Um, and so um, when I joined Solomon in 2017, um, I was recruited by uh, the team manager, the international team manager at the time, um, whose name is Greg Vallée. Um, and I always worked with him growing as an athlete. Obviously, I was injured for a really long time um, between 2018 and, and 2022. But he was always someone who helped me kind of build my race plan, um, suggest races for me, um, kind of guide me, mentor me in terms of things that I should do. He was the team, international team, uh, Solomon team manager at the time. Um, he, the, 
it's kind of interesting because the year that I joined the international team is also the year that he left the international team. He is now leading the Golden Trail series. Um, and so I initially started 2023 season um, with my own set of training plan goals and all of that. But he um, would reach out to me and say like, hey, like, I think maybe you're starting off too fast. Like he was giving me tips and suggestions even before he coached me. Mm. And I remember specifically in April, he told me that I should not be running the amount of running that I'm doing and I should be biking instead. <laughs> and I did not listen to him, unfortunately, and I got injured. And um, at the, you know, when I got my diagnostic, I just reached out to him and I said, hey, can we make this official? I clearly need your help and I clearly should be listening to you. And that's how we started. And um he has incorporated way more run and um, way more cycling in my training um all of july august i basically um only biked barely ran um started running again in september and i guess the difference between the way that i used to do it and now is now the training is more specific obviously i instead of doing quantity i do a lot more quality which is a shift in the, the way that i that I do things and um, so far I'm adjusting well, um, but it'll be interesting to see long-term if that will always be the strategy because I'm also coming back from injury. So I think that coming back from injury is also very normal to go quality over quantity. Um, but it will be interesting to see if, uh, you know, in, in the months or years to come, maybe I'll be able to incorporate more quantity. Mm. Um, but that is, that's a discussion we haven't had yet and I, I'm just following the plan and, and thinking and hoping that um, it's working well for me, which so far I'm very pleased with. Can you uh, elaborate that quality versus quantity? What is a quality versus a quantity training? Like what is that? What is the quality element to a, to a, a run, for example? Yeah, definitely. So, for example, before uh, it's very simple. Before Western States and UTMB, all I did was run. Like I didn't have, I never followed like a workout or uh, did intensity. I just ran easy. Um, sometimes I'd go running with my faster friends. Like I ran with Mathieu Blanchard who got second at UTMB. Clearly he's faster than me. Um, sometimes I just suffer my way through a long run and, and that's my intensity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that used to be my strategy, but now it's specific plan. It's a specific workout where I'm supposed to fall within a certain heart rate um, which I never followed my heart rate before. I couldn't even tell you what my, you know, easy pace heart rate was or harder pace heart rate was. And now I'm working with these, with these numbers that I didn't used to worry about, didn't used to think about. And so it's definitely a different approach. Um, but I'm hoping that the more I'll move forward in my recovery, the less I'll be so structured, I think. I, I, and we haven't discussed this, so he might hear me out and say like, definitely not, that's not the direction we're going. But I do think that um, I'm still very, it's still very um, close to my, you know, I'm only three months almost back to running. And I think that that needs to be controlled way more mm -hmm. than it will potentially be controlled in the future. But you did have those numbers or did you just get your Garmin and your Whoop band or was that something that you were wear, wearing in the past? Uh, just didn't really look at the the heart rate numbers. Uh, yeah, or is this I, something new? I'm actually with Coros, and I, oh, I I used okay. to have a, I used to, I mean, I I just used to not look at the numbers. I just never cared. I never cared to look at what my heart rate was. 
just I just went feeling. Um, and that's how I used to race as well. Like I have no idea what my heart rate was, but now it's, I actually think it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I just raced a race in China and, uh, he was, uh, my race strategy was based on heart rate. Um, and it was actually interesting to try to see what I, it's, it's fun now. Cause I play the game in reverse. I'm running and I try to guess what my heart rate is as opposed mm -hmm. to, seeing what my heart rate is and, and going accordingly. So sometimes I'm running and I'm like, oh, I think I must be at a 170. And then, you know, you look and And so it's, those are just things that I think will add a lot to maybe um, the qual my qualities of, of as a runner overall. Um, but that being said, I think it's really important for me to, to keep the dimension of fun because I don't think that I will ever be able to perform if I don't still have fun. And those are things that we will definitely discuss in the future to make sure that I keep having that in order to perform. You've just recently won a race just outside of Shanghai. Yeah. China. Yeah. Um, did your coach have any impact on, on your performance and on the training leading up to that race already? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think he, he gets me in the right direction. Um, and actually what I found is the most beneficial for me is I'm kind of the person who always wants to do more and will always will always strive to do more. Um, but it's kind of nice having a plan and no, you know, I, I, I noticed that prior to being coach, I would go to bed at night and sometimes be like, oh, I could have done more today, you know, like I could have gone longer. Um, but now that I have a coach, I no longer think that because as long as I do the workout and what's prescribed, I kind of go to bed at night and I'm like, I did what I had to do today and, and that's good. And ever since he started coaching me, that's what I do. And it's kind of a reassurance in a certain way. Um, and so I think he's had a huge impact in my um, coming back. That being said, we both are aware that even if, if, if I did end up winning that race, it wasn't, it wasn't a great race in the sense of I'm not fit like I, like I was, but um, we were both aware that uh, it'll take longer for me to build back to the fitness that I had in 2022. And that's okay because uh, rushing the process will definitely not help. Your, your grit and uh, your ability to just push and keep going is your superpower, right? Uh, how, do you keep, how do you keep that superpower though, when you also now suddenly need to, you know, rein it in a little bit is that is that balance easy for you now or is, is it is it rather rather hard uh no it's 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 it is rather hard like the thing that i find the hardest is if like a group of friends suggests me to do something and i really want to say yes and i know that i shouldn't um and so it's good to kind of just chit chat about it with my coach and be like hey like can we actually be more flexible this weekend i would like to do this and you know there's a certain there's there's more of um um analysis and usually a smarter decision than my previous self that would just say yes to everything and go do everything and and um train as much as I can uh, with the time that I have and that was the approach that I used to have and it was really fun um but I've also realized in 2023 that it's not fun for me when I'm injured and mm -hmm. I would rather kind of bring it back a couple notches you know, 100% of the time, but be able to run 100% of the time. Whereas going like 150 and then going to zero, because when I'm at zero, it's, it's, it's kind of draining for my, for, for my mental self. Now, talking more about that, that mental game of yours, let, let me take you back to UTMB when you were running and you were in the lead 
after I believe about a hundred kilometers. Yeah. Um, what's, what's going on in your, in your head? Like what's happening there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, that was a big surprise for me because, um, you know, UTMB was my second hundred mile Western States was my first and I had absolutely zero expectations. I was kind of going out there just trying to do my thing and, um, I found myself in first position of UTMB and I felt great. And that's what was really cool about that moment is that when I was in first place, I felt really, really good. And um, it was probably one of the most exhilarating moments of my life. Um, but uh, I think it goes to show that in a race, <laughs> it's not over till it's over. Um, and quickly after I, you know, my body completely started failing me and, and, um, it brought me to a whole, you know, it, it brought me to two ends of the spectrum within mm. a five minute uh, period. What, what exactly happened and how did you notice that something was wrong? Yeah. Um, so I, well, I was in first place, uh, making my way up to Champelac. Um, and like I said, I was in a very positive mindset. Uh, my body was feeling good. Um, everything was great until I started going uphill and I started feeling a very sharp pain in my left, left side. All of a sudden, I started feeling like electric shocks. Um, and I was like, that's weird. Uh, and then I just decided to kind of push forward and, and not really think about it. But um, I was going up and then I made it to the Champelac aid station. I sat down. I told myself, like, oh, I'll take five minutes. I'm, I was told that I had quite the lead at that point And it was pretty uh, late in the race and I hadn't really stopped at any aid station. So I figured I'd take the time. And when I got back up and started running again, um, the pain was <laughs> about doubled um and with every step i took i feel like the pain doubled again um and then i realized that i had big issues and i hadn't said anything at the aid station because i feel like sometimes when you say something out loud it becomes reality and i just was trying to avoid the the subject was which isn't a good coping mechanism but sometimes it's good in a race to to just kind of fight for the finish um, but I kept moving forward and, and the pain just became intensively worse. And I realized that I had a mechanical issue and I was just thinking at that point that, um, if I made it to the finish line, it would be <laughs> a miracle. And my thought from that point on, it, it was no longer about winning the race. It was about finishing the race. Um, and eventually I feel like the rest is history in the sense of, I feel like I blacked myself out of of that amount of pain and kind of woke back up in the streets of Chamonix. <laughs> um, but it was, it was definitely once of one of the most painful experiences of my life, which is really interesting because it was also one of the greatest moments in the sense of, you know, running through Chamonix is, is very, is a very fun experience when you're, when you're finishing UTMB, the crowd is crazy. And the whole time I'm kind of, I, you know, I feel like I'm on the verge of fainting. And, uh, so it was, it was, it's an interesting contrast. And how do you, how do you manage that uh, on, let's, let's not talk about the extreme because as you said, you almost felt like you, you completely sound out, um, or yeah, not didn't black out, but you kind of like pushed away a lot of the, that pain Yeah. on a race where something is like minor, like a minor issue where you have, you know, things hurt. How do you mentally control that pain? And yeah, what is your, your secret really to, to keep going? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the work has to be done beforehand. I think that if you, <laughs> I feel like before every race, it's important to tell yourself that, you know, you chose, 
you chose the pain that you're going to put yourself through and you have to accept it. And when the pain comes, you can't run away from it because you're the one that put yourself in that position. So I think that a lot of the work needs to be done beforehand. Um, and the one thing, the one thought that really always gets me to the finish line is the fact that if you're hurting and you go slower, it's, it also, it almost becomes more painful and it takes you more time to suffer until you make it to the finish line, which is kind of like the end of the suffering. So whenever I start feeling really horrible, I start telling myself that I need to go as fast as I can so I can get out of this horrible state. And it's a kind of a funny, it's a, it's kind of a funny uh, idea to, to think about, but it is true that I think, you know, when you're running, when you're at a, like 120K of 160K race, um, it's painful. And if you go, if you, if you're running slower or faster, it's painful. So you might as well go as fast as you can and, and make it to the finish line. And those are all thoughts that kind of keep me in, in the present moment and kind of keeps me pushing. And then you did get an injury though, that, that was more severe, that, uh, sidelined you for, for quite some time. You, you're one of the best trail runners in the world right now. Uh, and you're a full-time trail runner, right? A, a real pro. I actually still have a job, which I think keeps me sane, but, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk, let's talk about your job briefly. Yeah. Um, I'm an HR manager for an IT company in Montreal. Okay. It's called SV Technologies. Um, and I still work because I think that it provides me the balance that I don't give myself. Because <laughs> uh, wow. I notice it, like, sometimes if, if I have a week off, I, I overtrain, especially when I wasn't coached. Um, if I had a week off, I would overtrain like crazy. And then, um, it's hard for me to balance that. Like I said, as soon as I have free time, I, I use it to train. So, um, working, I work full-time actually, uh, working full-time kind of balances that out for me. I think about the fact that maybe I could stop working. Um, but I enjoy also having that brain stimulation that, you know, it's something else. And, um, you know, when I was injured a couple months ago, I think it really helped me get through that period. Um, and when I'm, yeah, when, you know, I, for me, it's important to keep running fun. And I, I'm worried that if running becomes my job, then it's not as fun and there's more pressure and that's what I'm trying to avoid. But, um, I fully understand that people do it and I fully question the fact that I make that decision every day. Um, and I think that, just because I'm working today doesn't mean that I won't be working tomorrow, but that's what I choose and for right now. And I think that it suits me well. There is a downside though with every upside, right? It gives you, uh, the job gives you balance. What is it taking away for, from you? Have you ever thought of like what could be if you didn't have to commit to? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that time is, uh, <laughs> time is our most valuable, uh, is, our, is the most valuable thing in our lives. And I think that goes for anyone, how we choose to, to spend our time. And I think sometimes, you know, when I'm working, when I'm in meetings and when I'm stressing about work, because it does happen, um, I think that maybe that takes off energy from recovery or, or just kind of, yeah, it takes, it takes time off of recovery or other things. Uh, I, sometimes I question if I could use that during 
my meetings or things that I'm doing for work? Could I be doing something else that could be making me a better athlete? So those are all things that I consider on a daily basis. Um, but my employer is very flexible with me in their understanding that I have big goals and mm -hmm. they want to encourage me to 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 do both. And they, they're very flexible with me in that matter. Um, and so I think that as long as I am able to do both, I will. But I think that there might come a point where it becomes difficult. But I've had the conversations with them and... Um, I think as long as I can play a little bit with my schedule, um, it allows me to do both. If there are any aspiring pro athletes out there listening, at what point can you even be a pro and can you even even afford to live just off of trail running? What do you need to, to reach? How do you pick a sponsor to get there? Like, is that something that a young athlete can achieve? Yeah, um, I... I think to me, becoming a pro is, is a, I mean, I think for a lot of people, it would be a dream, um, but I don't think it should be the finality. Um, I think that if you run for the right reasons and you do the things that you love the most, which in this case might be running, um, I think it will happen in itself. I don't think that you should go looking for pro sponsors. I think that you should let your career kind of dictate your future. Um, and I am a big, big uh, believer in team work. Um, I think that you should choose brands that um, you feel connected to, that you have teammates in which you can really rely on, you can really trust, you can have a good time with. Um, for me, that's the most important thing, and that's what I would encourage athletes to do because I think that it makes the whole process so much more enjoyable you know when I'm out here in Cape Town and I'm with my Solomon team it means a lot to me and I uh, build relationships with these people and they're they become my best friends you know the people that I see the most and and so um that's what I would encourage people to do is to really give it their all and eventually and, and keep believing in the fact that it might be an opportunity for them um but make good decisions when it comes to to signing partners because I think that it's not just about money I, in fact, there's nothing I think more that it's not about money, you know. We don't become ultra runners to <laughs> to make money. That's not the, the way that goes. You did have that foresight um, and you have a business degree as well, right? Was that always something that where you felt like sports is your focus, but uh, there will be or there should be something else? So you have a, another career at some point? Yeah, um, I've, I've just always felt like I like my life to be complete. Um, which is, which is a paradox because in all honesty, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that would think that my life isn't complete in the sense of, you know, I don't fall, I don't follow society norms of being married, having kids. Um, most people my age are in a relationship, a year long relationships and they're thinking about having kids. So it's a very different type of approach for life that I have. Um, but for me, um, kind of having different things to aspire to be is is good because you're always working towards something so having a career is is just motivating to me and um it it brings my energy somewhere other than running which i think is is good for is good for me for sure what do you aspire to be what are your your big big future goals that's a really good question um i I really aspire to continue doing things that 
make me happy because I feel like that's what I am most, most proud of, not necessarily my results, but um, the way that I do things. Uh, I think that for me, and, and everybody does things for different reasons, but for me, um, you know, UTMB, for example, and Western States, my crew was all my family. It was a very close friends. Um, and I don't choose people because they are good at something. I choose people because they they have a um, they they have a close relationship with me, and, and they're very important to me. And I think that doing things in that way make me happy and make me want to keep pushing myself. Um, so I want to keep doing things with people that motivate me, and it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be you know, an excellent runner to motivate me. I think that a lot of people bring a lot of different um, things in the experience. And for me, it's all about enthusiasm. I love surrounding myself with enthusiastic people who have crazy ideas and and are, are kind of out there with, with their personalities. And um, so I want to keep doing these things that I do that at the moment is ultra marathons, but at some point I think it might be, you know, adventures or, or uh, different types of expeditions around the world. Um, but I want to keep doing them with people that excite me and motivate me and, and inspire me to be a better person, not just a better athlete. Do you think that this mindset also makes you really good at your job in HR, where your your job essentially is finding the right people for roles and to fit with the team? And uh, do you see any parallels? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, the, my main thing that allows me to do both is adaptability. Um, I like to, you know, when I, I think that when I, when I do a race and, and things don't go my way, I think that I am able to get past that and bounce back from it and, and move forward. Um, you know, both Western States and UTMB, I actually had pretty serious issues. Western States, I was throwing up like crazy and I managed to make it to the finish line and, and, in HR and in any type of work environment, um, any given day isn't the same and you have to adapt um, and you have to connect with different types of people. And uh, so I, I do think that those two things are definitely aligned. So are your crew members people who run with you and train with you at home? Uh, yeah, definitely some friends that crew and run with me, but also my family. Um, but my family is very active as well. So my brothers um, and my sister, they, they're, I run with them often and, and when they come out and crew me, they definitely know that side of me, but they're also very connected to me, obviously, for for, for different reasons. <laughs> so now you're taking your crew. Where are you going to take your crew in 2024? At UTMB, I didn't have the race that I wanted um, because I didn't race all the way through. Um, I raced all the way through Champelac and then I survived my way to the finish line. Mm. Um, and that leaves me with the feeling of wanting more for that specific race. Um, I don't think that it will be my goal race for every future season coming forward, but for 2024, I think it's clear to me that I want to go back to UTMB and, and give it my best shot, hopefully with a healthy body all the way through. Um, but I will definitely be ha getting my crew with me and everyone is aware and everybody was lined up for 2023 and everybody, <laughs> everybody canceled their Plus, plans, no. canceled their flights. Um, and hopefully everybody's going to be on board for 2024 as well. So are you basically planning your year around UTMB for next year? Yeah. Yeah. And are there any like smaller races that you are thinking of doing? 
I haven't decided. I feel like I like to live my life one race at a time. Um, I think as soon as I'll get done UTCT, I'll start thinking about the next thing that I want to do. But um, for right now, I think covering 100K is, is enough of my brain. Uh, I, I, I can only give so much of my brain to focus on different goals. And I have this one for right now. And then we'll see for the next, for the next, the next one. That's also fitting to your, your training approach in the past. And uh, I've heard you saying that some days you run in the morning and then you run for lunch, lunchtime, and then you run again in the evening. Yeah. Um, what's, where's this love for running coming from and, and why do you run? <laughs> I, I, it's almost like meditative for me. Um, it's like, I feel like if everyone ran to work, I think the world would be a much more peaceful place. I think that it's very freeing to, to go running and kind of free your brain from everything. And, and you get to see so much more, you're much less stressed. Like if I, I live in a city, I live in Montreal. And when I, I've noticed that if I ever, for whatever reason, need to drive to work because then I need my car for whatever other reason, I'm not as happy. <laughs> It's like I'm more stressful and yeah. I look around me and, and sometimes it has me thinking like, I can't believe these people drive to work every day and no wonder maybe they're not as happy as they could be, you know? And, and, and that to me is just a basic um, reality that I've gone through the process so many times to understand that I know that I'm the happiest if I'm running because it allows me to relax. It allows me, you know, when you, when you close your computer at night, you go running and like the first 10 minutes that you're running, you're still thinking about work, but then slowly but surely the thoughts start fading away and you're kind of drifting into whatever it is that you're going to do next or enjoy next or, um, so for me, it's a huge release. Um, and I noticed that, you know, when I'm injured and I haven't ran, you know, for the, I was periods of three months at a time with no running. I definitely felt my happiness levels go down. And um, it's just telling to me that um, running brings me so much happiness. And it's hard to describe why, but I think that we should all strive to find something that provides you that level of happiness mm -hmm. because it is really nice to be able to wake up every day and, and do something that without trying will bring you happiness. So you run to work. Um, what else do you do? What are your routines and rituals that, that you do at home? And what are the rituals that you keep even when you're traveling? Yeah, I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy kind of like mobility session. I kind of fell into that because I need to now. Mm. Um, my series of injuries make it that I can't just be a runner. I have to work on <laughs> certain strengths because, um, because otherwise I, I get injured again. Um, but, you know, I'm a very uh, social person. So if I'm not running or working, I'll usually be hanging out with friends or family. Um, and I think that that's also why I love running so much because I also find a lot of people that I can run with. I think that it's a really cool sport for that, that you can just say like, hey, let's meet up and go running. Um, and so, uh, that I enjoy a lot, but I'd say, yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's not like I have a secret hobby or something else that I do. To be honest, I think I, I would run out of time if I, if I find another hobby, but uh, I just enjoy the social aspect of life and I'm glad that I can find it through running or after running, we can go have a beer and, and whatnot. 
In uh, 2019, you were approached to coach or to help in a Paralympics mm -hmm. team yeah. to prepare and help an athlete even uh, at an Olympic level. Um, tell us about this experience and how like you were suddenly on the other side, I guess, of things being a coach. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't a coach. I was a guide. Um, okay. And so there is a nuance in the sense of we have a coach coaching us through this process. Okay. Um, I'm really the guide. I'm actually, you know, you can think of me as the eyes of my, the triathlete that I was paired with. I'll say her name is Jessica. I prefer to, to, to give her a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was paired with Jessica and um, it was a very, very good experience for me. I was just recovering from a, a spiral fracture in my tibia fibula. So I had surgery, double surgery. I was barely able to run. Um, and I used to be a triathlete before um, I fell into running. Um, and so I was contacted. It was kind of an opportunity for me to, 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 to do things differently, um, which is really cool because I realized when I was injured that what was missing for me is kind of working towards something, building towards something. And although, you know, in 2018, 2019, my body would not have been able to run ultras. Um, I think it was fine with running a 5k in the, in the sprint triathlon race. So it was good to be working towards something else. And also, um, it, there's no different way to put it that it's a magical experience to kind of guide someone through, um, uh, a triathlon and to the Paralympic Games, um, and and it's an experience that enriched my life in um, in the experience in itself, but also in the way that I view the world and the different opportunities that are thrown our way. And how was working with with Jessica um, specifically? I'm interested in in what it looked like um, during a run, during a during cycling, and, and, and most importantly, swimming. Like yeah. I can I cannot really imagine what that what that's like. Yeah. Um, so on the swim, you're tied. You're you're uh, you're tied to tie. So wow. like your legs are tied together. You have like a meter in between, hmm. um, and the the guide is allowed to be like a little bit ahead. Um, and you swim, and then when you go to turn a corner, like I kind of hit on her head, and then we turn. Um, so it's, 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 it was all these little details that are kind of interesting. Um, and then when you get out of the water, obviously I guide her out, we run, we get to on the tandem. Uh, so the bike is just, I'm on the front of a tandem. And then on the run, um, we run side by side. I'm not allowed to be in front of her. Um, and we hold the rope with our thumbs. Um, and the, the rope is really not that long actually, but we run stride for stride basically. Are you still doing this? No, no. Okay. It was quite time consuming um, and a full commitment. Like I couldn't. Uh, and to be honest, I <laughs> I wouldn't want to have myself as a guide if I'm a trail runner because the uh, uh, risk of injury is too high. And, um, you know, they were reliant on me. Uh, they needed mm -hmm. me at the Paralympics. And if I'm injured because I twist an ankle two weeks before in the trail run, then it's not, I'm no use to them and, and, and that's good. But it was an experience that I signed on for all the way to Tokyo. Um, and uh, once that was done, then we, we parted ways. Let's jump back to 2023, UTCT. Yes. <laughs> are you ready for the race? As ready as I will be. <laughs> you are gonna be, you are relaxed. Uh, you don't have high expectations, or at least so you say. Yeah, no. <laughs> you wanna be just, just out there having fun. Let's talk about uh, the things that you need a plan. Let's talk a little bit about nutrition, about breaks. What is your race strategy and plan? Uh, if you could walk us through that a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, I think that uh, race strategy is kind of hard for me to depict because I honestly do not know how my body will react. Um, obviously, I think that my body is ready to cover the, the distance, but I'm not sure how um, competitive or in shape I will be after 60K, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to go out there and give it my best shot, but um, also be realistic in that manner. Um, and my main concern is finishing the race healthy. Um, I'm, that's really what I want. And, uh, I'm willing to, to maybe sacrifice a couple of risks that I would have taken in the past, uh, going downhill, um, just to make sure that I make it to the finish line healthy. Um, because I, I do have big goals for 2024 and those are more important to me right now. Uh, but that being said, um, I'm out here and when we, when maybe not everyone, but when I line up on the start line, I usually try to give it my best shot and I'm excited to see what that will look like. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely have um, some fitness lacking, um, which might uh, show more on the uphill, um, but that's okay. I think that we can work on the maybe other aspects of the course to kind of work around that. What about nutrition? Nutrition. Um, nutrition is, is, uh, can be quite complicated, but I try to keep things very simple. Um, I'm with, uh, the sports nutrition brand called NAC, NAC bars. Um, and I am in love with their parades. I don't know if you guys have tasted them, but they are Not delicious. The parades the are really, really good. Um, they're 200 calories per pouch, um, and very simple to, to, to consume. Um, so those will be the staple along with the NAC hydration mix. Um, those will be the two things that will kind of bring me a constant flow of nutrition. Um, that being said, uh, I am a big fan of Coca-Cola. Um, mm -hmm. So I like to feel refreshed when I get to an aid station. You know, you open a can and it feels refreshing. So I will throw in some of that. Um, if you're not racing, what do you eat? And, and are you very strict on your diet? Um Tell us a little bit about uh, what what keeps your body going. Yeah, uh, I'm not strict. Um, I am careful, just in the sense of I like to eat food that make me feel good. Um, so it's not that I'm strict, but I always feel so much better eating vegetables than I do feel eating other stuff. So vegetables are, <laughs> I would say, the main component of my of my meals. But that being said, I'm not a vegetarian or anything like that. I just love vegetables. So um, I'm a big fan of salads. Um, I love carrots, which is people always make fun of me for the amount of carrots that I eat. Um, I could I could often be seen on a trail run with carrots in my backpack, um, in my hydration pack. So um, yeah, I, I, I love eating good, good, good quality food, um, but a wide variety of it. Um, I, I think Again, it's all about, it's all a question of balance. And um, my main concern is no longer, uh, you know, I think there's a certain, there is a certain shift within the um, sports world where that I'm very happy about is that the dialogue is no longer about restricting yourself. It's more about making sure you get enough. Um, and I'm always conscious of that. I'm more conscious of the fact that I want to make sure that I eat enough and not less, <laughs> um, which was definitely different in another part of my life. What do you drink? Um, like you said, you love Coca-Cola. 
Yeah. How about caffeine, alcohol? What are what are the drinks that you allow yourself or <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that you do? I mean, you I, like? lo I love coffee. Yeah. Um, I you know oftentimes I go to bed at night and I'm just excited for my morning coffee. <laughs> um, I just I just love that so much. I, I I always wonder how people go through life without drinking any coffee, but <laughs> that's their choice, I guess. Um, and I'm a big fan of beer. Um, I like IPAs. Um, just to be like everyone else out there. But uh, <laughs> uh, jokes aside, I also like, uh, I've discovered now these days, smoothie beers, which I don't know if they've made Ooh. their way to South Africa, but they are so good. Okay. It's like, it also, it almost feels like a juice or a smoothie, but there's definitely beer and they are so good and, and they are becoming pretty prominent in, in, in Quebec where I'm from or, or, or the States or, or kind of more North American. Um, and I love those and, and uh, I'm going to have one and I go back home. That's it. I think it's time for a, a beer or a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I think at this point, uh, two days before the race, maybe I'll stick to coffee, but right. uh, I'll be happy to have a Jack Black at the at the finish line. Marianne, thank you so, so much for doing this. Uh, best of luck for your race. Thank you. And uh, see you next time. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Trail and Scale podcast. If you like this episode, please take a moment and click that subscribe button. It really means a lot to us. Special thanks to our sponsors, Stardust Coffee, and our production partners, Sledgehammer Studio and 2250. Go check them out and support them if you want to support us. Stay tuned, we have many more interesting athletes and founders lined up that we're going to speak to over the course of the next couple of months.